You guys pray with me. Father, we're here to bless your name. Um, you have blessed us, and so uh, we bless you for who you are, for your greatness, for your truth, for revealing yourself in, in creation, through your word, in your church. Uh, we're here to worship you and exalt you and your son by your spirit. And so I pray as we open the very words of heaven right now, the scripture, that you would just sharpen us with them, that you would equip us with them, that you would build your church, Lord Jesus, that you would not exalt men, but you would exalt yourself through your church, through your body. Lord, I thank you for, for mothers, for my mom, for my precious wife, uh, for those who have cared and nurtured for us. Um, as we honor them today and encourage them today, as we uh, thank them today, I, you honor them in scripture, and so we honor them, and so we're thankful for them. We pray for those who today is a hard day. Uh, because mom is no longer around, um, or we want to be a mom, or whatever the, the case may be. I, I just pray that your spirit would comfort all of us in those places today, uh, that your spirit would lead us, encourage us, build us. Lord, that you would use me, a broken man, to preach a perfect scripture in a way that your church is built up. I, I, am, I am nothing apart from you, God, and I acknowledge it before all these people. I want them to know it is you and not me. It is you we honor and praise and so please exalt yourself through your word right now in Christ's name, amen. Thanks, you guys have a seat. We are, as you heard, we're gonna begin a brand new series on the Psalms. Here's the cool thing about Psalms. If you're new to the Bible and you're like, I, don't, I didn't know where that book of James was. It took me forever to find it. Psalms is easy. All right, turn to the middle. Just go over the middle, you hit Psalms. If you hit Proverbs, turn back one, okay? But Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. It's the longest book of the Bible, 150 chapters. We will not look at all of them, of course. We'd be here for three years. Um, but we are going to, just for the next couple months, use this series to bless the Lord. That's what we've entitled it. And, and here's, here's why I'm excited about this for us as a church. We've been talking about this for a while in James and throughout. We want to cultivate in our church a spirit of worship, not just through singing, that's one small facet, but a culture of worship in our lives, a culture of joy in our lives. Jesus said the Father is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And, and that's the heart, that's what we wanna be. And there's no better way to do it than just to think through some of these psalms. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, or maybe you are, but you never heard a, a psalm taught, here, here's kind of a mini background on the psalms. The psalms are, are just a collection of poems, hymns, um, of prayers of Israel. I mean, this is the original hymnal. All right, this is what they used to sing. Um, and they are the inspired by the Holy Spirit response to who God is and what he has done and his greatness. And the people write these things. And there's many different types. All right, all different kind of writers. We got David writes a lot of them. We got Moses is attributed to some of them. We got the sons of Korah and the sons of Asaph and all these guys. We got a guy named Ethan that writes one. We have Solomon. We're going to see one of his today. We have several that we don't know who wrote them. Uh, but they're designed to move us to worship. And, and, and there's multiple different types. Worship in, in all different settings of life. And, and that's really, they run the gamut. There's, there's what we call declarative praise psalms where so, the psalmist just says, you should praise God and here's why. Boom. Right? And this is why I'm doing it. Boom. There is laments, which are psalms that really just are written out of the depths of despair. Piper tweeted this week. I thought it was great. He said, if there was medication in the Old Testament, we wouldn't have the psalms. And that's probably true. Because we aim to like get out of the valley so quick. And in the valley is where many of these great psalms were written. 
right? And so there's laments. We'll look at least one of those. There's what we, ha- what we call Thanksgiving hymns, where it's just thanking God for, for his provision, for his deliverance. We have royal psalms, where it talks about the, the royalty of David and, and ultimately the royalty of the Messiah, all right? We have in, in wisdom psalms. We have imprecatory psalms. Those are the ones where the guy sings, please melt the brain of my enemy, okay? They got those psalms in there. We're gonna look at least one of those, Right? And so different songs and hymns written in different times, different circumstances, um, and really aimed at encouraging us towards worship. And I was going to go into a little bit more background, and I'm going to save it for next week just because the nature of the air conditioning. All right? So I'm sparing you on Mother's Day. Um, I'm going to come back next week and kind of give, because there, there can be some difficulty when we interpret poetry. And so I'm going to give you some principles, but I'm going to do that next week, so you'll have to come back as we look at the next one, just for the sake of time and so that you guys don't sweat to death because I want to get to the psalm we're going to look at today. And so we're going to look at Psalm 127. So go ahead and turn there if you have it in your Bible. And again, if you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you. Grab that one, or you can follow along on the slides. And I thought this is a fitting psalm to start with, because it's, a, it's encouraging to everybody, but I want to specifically this morning encourage and honor moms. Okay, today is, is obviously Mother's Day. I found out this week, I, it's the biggest flower day of the year. No, I knew it was Mother's Day, okay, but I found out that it was the biggest flower day of the year. I thought Valentine's Day would have taken it, but apparently not everyone has a girlfriend, all right? But everyone has a mom, all right? And girlfriends can dump you, moms can't. Um, so we're gonna honor moms. And it's not Woodrow, Mother's Day originally came, Woodrow Wilson signed it into law back in, in, his, in his tenure as president, but it, it was not his idea to honor moms, it was the scripture's idea. It was God's idea. Fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. All right? And the reason God has us do that because mothers are vital to the purpose of God. They carry the image of God, the imago Dei, in a way that, that men can't, that fathers can't, the nurturing side, and it is extremely valuable in the church and to God's purpose. Now, so that said, let me say this. Today is a great day for many, and it is a sad day for many. I know several people in this church this year is the first Mother's Day without mom. Some as fresh as last week. That's hard. I know several couples in this church that are trying to have children have not been able to. There's a desire to be mom. And so we, this is two weeks ago sermon when we rejoice and we weep, right? We, we know that all these things are going on at the same time. And we want to we encourage and honor, but we want to be sensitive to others. And also, let me say this. In, sometimes in the church... We hear, well, mothering is the highest call for a woman. That's a nice thing to say, but it's not true. The highest call for a woman is to be the bride of Christ, period, right? Because, because God is the one who gives children. God is the one who calls to marriage. So the highest calling for a woman is to be part of the bride of Christ, to be a follower of Christ. And if God so blesses to be a mom and God so blesses to be a wife, great. But don't make it a higher calling as, if, oh, now these are more spiritual women. Because they're this. No, no. Highest calling to be a follower of Jesus, to be part of the bride of Christ. That is the highest calling. And each to whatever God has called. But we do want to have a good view of what mothering and, and, and God says about moms and how can mothering be done well. Because we, even if we're not a mom, can encourage the body of Christ as well. So we're going to do that as we read Psalm 127 today. And hopefully that we'll be able together bless the Lord and worship. Let me read our psalm in its entirety, and then we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit. A song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to late, and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. 
Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. Okay, one, one of the principles of studying any poetry is the background of the psalm, is knowing it. And right up front, we have a little bit of background information on the psalm. Number one, it says it's a song of ascent. Here's what that means. When the pilgrims, the Jews, would be headed up to Jerusalem, and I say up because it's on the top of a hill, all right, they would sing some of these psalms, and they are called the song of ascent. So they're ascending up the hill, and as they go up the hill, they're singing, they're worshiping, and there's a bunch of them. And what is the goal of a song of ascent? To prepare their heart. What is in Jerusalem that is so significant? Why are they going there? It's not the good food, all right? It's not good food up there. It's not, oh, it's a great place to hang out. What is up there? The temple. They are going to worship. They are going to sacrifice. They're going to worship Yahweh. And so to get their hearts stirred up and ready, they would sing these song of ascents. All right? And that is, this is one of those songs. They're getting ready for worship. They're getting ready to go to a feast. They're getting ready to, to offer an, a sacrifice. And traditionally, this song was actually sung for the Jews as soon as a baby was born in the house. This was, this was the song. Not he's a jolly good fellow, not cigars. They would sing this song, all right, when a baby was born. So that's a little bit of background on the Song of Ascent. It also says it's from who? From Solomon. He has two psalms that are attributed to them. This is one of them. And this one clearly has a very motherly feel to a lot of it. And, and this distinct background, who is Solomon's mama? What's her name? Bathsheba. Anybody know anything about Bathsheba? She's got a little bit of a past, doesn't she? She's got a little some, some past. But he's writing about children, about a little bit about motherhood, with knowing his mama is the one who taught him all about Proverbs 31, right? And so those background information helps you a little bit with the psalm, all right? And here's what we want to ask. And here's the question for us today. Can you really do this thing called motherhood, ladies? I mean, can you really do it? And you could take that word motherhood out, and this is why it's an encouraging to all. Could you, can you really do this thing called X, being an engineer at Gulfstream, being a student at SCAD, being a dad, being a teenager at a public school, whatever God has called you to doing right now, can you really do this thing called whatever? But I want to zoom in on, can you really do this thing called motherhood? Can you really do it? And, and I think it's a fair question, and why I ask it is this. The temptation is, unless I'm the only one, is sometimes you feel like, no, I can't. In fact, most dads have had that conversation with their spouse. It usually begins with something like, your children... Not our children, but your, I cannot handle your kids anymore. I cannot do this with your offspring. Okay, and we've had that conversation, right? And, and I think he deals with that here. Maybe it's a single mom going to her mom. I can't do this. Maybe it's a grandmother who's hearing it from the daughter. I can't do this. And our temptation is usually what when we hear that? Yes, you can. Just get you some Wheaties, get you a four-hour energy, you'll be fine. You can do it. And dads are like, you have to do it because I sure can. We, we try to kind of boost their, yeah, yeah, you can do it. But that's exactly the opposite direction that Solomon does. Again, what does he say? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and late and go to rest. Did you notice the repetition? There's, there's repetition of one word three times. Did you see it? What was it? Three times he says the same word. What is it? Vain. 
Unless the Lord builds, it is vain. Unless the watchman watches by the Lord, it is vain. In vain. He gives two giant tasks here, building a house, watching a city, both that take enormous energy, take enormous discipline, that knowledge, expertise. And he says, hey, Mr. Builder, go ahead and build your house. Put your little roof on, get your header set, get your little brick and mortar. You can do all that, but unless God is involved in that, it's vain. And Mr. Watchman, you can get your night goggles out and you can have booby traps and you can, have, you can watch until the cows come home. But unless the Lord is involved, your city is toast. It's toast, right? Vain. And you say, how does this apply to motherhood? Motherhood is an equally huge, if not bigger task than building a wall, than building a house. How huge is it to be responsible for, for a child, for someone made in the image of God? How valuable is just one life? Just one. And a mother has a special way in which she she reflects the image of God in her nurturing way. A mother, ladies, you realize that you are the one who really install authority and responsibility and respect in your children. They will learn respect and authority from you because you and your household are one who is under authority, under the authority of your husband, and you're in authority over your kids. And so they will learn and watch how does a person be in authority and under authority. They'll learn it from their mom. They will learn respect from their mom. That is a huge task to teach, right? And no one shapes that view like mom. Why do you think the football player yesterday, when he gets drafted, what does he say? Thanks, dad. No, he says, hi, mom. No one cares about dad, right? We don't even do Father's Day sermons, right? No one cares. Just let us sleep. That's all we want. Just let us sleep, right? Let's watch sports and sleep. But he says, this is huge, right? It's huge. And if you think, ladies, that you can do it, you just kind of put on your little engine that could, and that you can do it, I think I can, I think I can, just one more marriage seminar, just one more parenting seminar, just one more book. If you think you can do it on your own, he says, it's vain. It's vain. It's emptiness, right? And here's the trap we fall into, church. This is the church. We've come to believe that if we just kind of sprinkle in all the ingredients, like a big soup, our kids are like a big pot of soup. If we just put all the right ingredients in, out pops a masterpiece. A little bit of this type of schooling, whether it's homeschooling, Christian schooling, unschooling, private, whatever you want to put, whatever your conviction. You do this kind of schooling and you listen to a little Christian radio, a little Young Life over here, a little youth group over here, no R-rated movies till you're 17. I mean, you got all the little things and sprinkle it in and voila, there's the next prophet. And he says, you know what? Vain. That's vain. Because you know what? The human heart does not roll that way. It does not roll that way. I heard you keep hearing this radio ad on the thing. New child in 28 days. By our system. Your kid's behavior will be blah, 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 blah. That is behavior management. That is earthly wisdom. That is human wisdom. Only God can change a heart. And Solomon is saying here, it is not up to y'all. So what you need to do is replace your efforts and your faith in your, all your hard trying with confidence in Yahweh and God. And again, think about the background here. They're walking up the hill. They're heading up to worship. And what are they saying? They're saying, Lord, we can't do anything apart from you. That's what they're saying, right? Remember, they're singing this as a worship to get their hearts ready. Lord, we can't do anything. We can't build a city. We can't do anything apart from you. We need you, and they're reminding themselves they need God. They need his grace. 
And, you, and the first thing I want you to see this morning is, moms, if you're thinking, how can I do this thing called mother? And you can fill in the blank. How can I do this thing called engineer, father, whatever it is. The only way you can do it is because God gives grace. That's the only way. You can do it, but only because God gives grace. And this is where our theology helps shape us. You can't change a heart. You can't control it. Jesus says, what, what are you going to do? You're going to worry about this, that, and the other. What can you even do with your worry? You're worried about where your kids are. You're worried about this, but that. You can't change anything. I, I can't even get my dog to come. You can't control anything, but there is one who can, who is sovereign. There is one who does change hearts. There is one who is sovereign over all, who directs all human history and who upholds it. And what Solomon is saying is, in the end, it is not your strength, it is not your efforts that win the day, it is his grace. That's how we grasp success in this huge calling called motherhood or whatever. It's grace. It's not about you getting it right. It's not about you having all the answers, covering all the bases, your intelligence. It's about the blessing of God. It's about grace. Otherwise, it's vain. And let me tell you, I think that's quite freeing. I, I think it's hugely freeing. When you, can't, when you realize you can't do it by yourself, nor would you ever expect to, that's freeing. And Christians, we need to get away from our little refrigerator bumper sticker theology. So we got a little fridge sticker that says, moms couldn't be everywhere. Therefore, God created, I mean, God couldn't be everywhere. Therefore, God created moms. And it's cute and sweet, but it's kind of scary. That's kind of a scary thought. God couldn't be everywhere. He's too busy with the economy in Russia. So your, your kids are on you. All right. And while you're at it, your neighbors, because they're not doing much. I mean, how... How, how brutal is it if God leaves us to carry the weight by ourselves? If he says, this is on you, I, I'm a little busy right now. How discouraging, how anxious would some of us be? How anxious are some of us already? And that's what he says, verse two. It's in vain that you rise up early and go to late rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Some of you, you're so worried to yourself, what's gonna happen? I can't, I don't know what's gonna happen. And, and you're, there's this guilt that you haven't, moms, I think you're, you get it the most. You are most aware of the things you miss. Moms are. Dads are like, oh, that's fine. They'll rub some dirt on it, you know? I mean, but moms, they're like so aware of everything. There's this new stroller, and it's a seven harness stroller, and we just had that little seatbelt thing. Our child's ruined. And they have new vans with foot side airbags. We only have side airbags. What are we going to do? I've been feeding my kids hot dogs for years and drinking normal, unorganic milk. <laughs> Eating cereal at least three times a week for dinner. My child is done. And, and marketers love y'all moms. They love y'all. Because they can guilt y'all to buy the flashcards so that your seven-month-old is reading. <laughs> and your four-year-old is speaking Mandarin. And if you don't have, if you don't go to the gym five times a week and your laundry room doesn't look like Southern Living and you're not making five-star meals, your child is done. And that is the message you are hearing, right? And you're so aware of those things. And, and Solomon's saying, don't be overwhelmed. Don't eat the bread of anxiety, Right? Work hard, but rest in the sovereignty of God. Don't make the, ladies, don't make the Proverbs 31 woman a goddess. Yes, she's a godly woman, but who is she? Remember, who is she? the mother is teaching Solomon about the Proverbs 31 woman, and who's the mother? Bathsheba. 
Who has, an, who has a past? She wasn't perfect. So don't make this the idol of the church. You gotta be like this or I'm not a good woman. Because when you fail and you will, then you, your, your identity will be wrapped up in that. Oh, I'm not valuable because I'm not a Proverbs 31. Who is? Right? right? And so you can rest. What does he say at the end of the verse? He gives to his beloved what? Sleep. He gives him rest. Right? You don't have to have eyes in the back of your head. You don't have to have 17 arms. He gives you rest. God is everywhere. He sees what you can. He, he knows the influences that your kids are having. He knows who their friends are. And he's working all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And he gives grace to those who call out to him. He gives rest. What is rest? Rest is a reminder. I heard this this week. It's great. Rest is a reminder for us, that the universe works just fine when you are comatose. It's not, you don't need you. It still spins, right? The moon's still there when you're asleep, believe it or not. You're not holding it up by the power of your hand. God is. And so rest in grace, right? Rest in grace. It doesn't mean you don't do anything. It doesn't mean you just, well, God is sovereign. So you guys figure it out. You know, get your own food, kids. There's some roadkill on the way. I'm sure there's a squirrel somewhere. Go ahead. God is sovereign. He'll feed you. He feeds the birds. That's not what he's saying. You work hard and you trust in the in this providence and the sovereignty of God. And as a parent, you know the best two things you can do? Number one, you just pursue Christ hard. You just walk with Christ daily. That's what you do. R run after Christ. Pursue him. Love him hard. And then love your kids. Love the junk out of your kids. That doesn't mean you give them everything. Loving means discipline, but you love them and you model forgiveness and you model grace. Don't model law unless you want legalists. You model gospel. You model forgiveness. And if they run off, you chase after them. And they run off, you wait for them like the prodigal son's dad. That's what you do. Great article I read this week. Some of you need to go read it. You'll cry like I did. It's, it's, it's How to Love a Prodigal on the gospelcoalition.org. How to Love a Prodigal, great article about a girl whose dad loved her until she came back, right? That's what you do. Get on your face, pursue them, love them, right? And trust in grace, trust in grace. And as a church, here's just a, just a side warning for us. When you see a child that does something dumb, don't go saying, well, if their parents were better parents, that wouldn't have happened, right? How many of you did dumb things when you were 16? How, how many mailbox suffered at my hand when I was 16? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll own it. How many of us did dumb things when we were 16? I had good parents. All right, see, you can't go there, and here's why. God the Father is a perfect dad, and his first two kids did what? Boop, 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 ran away, didn't they? Didn't Adam and Eve rebel? Did, did God the Father, was he a, didn't he love them perfectly? Didn't he teach them everything they needed to know? Didn't he give them everything they ever needed? And they ran away. Jesus was the perfect master. He was the perfect God. He was the perfect leader. And one of his 12 rebelled. Did you, oh, if Jesus just would have taught him better. Really? No. So you can't say that. Yes, sometimes it is the parent, but sometimes it's not. And it's not your decision. You encourage. That's what we do as a church. We encourage right? We love, right? We love each other. We model the gospel and we cast ourselves on the grace of God. 
because there's grace. It doesn't matter what your laundry room looks like. It doesn't matter if your minivan looks like a waste management truck. There is grace for mothers, for fathers, for students, for all of us. And that's the first thing. Let's continue in the psalm. He says, behold, and, and in, the, in the Hebrew text, this is like a, an exclamatory statement. He wants you to see it. It's a real kind of jumps off the page. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with him. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. All right? So he says, look at this. Behold, children are an heritage or an inheritance. You could translate it from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. How do you view kids? And it's an important question because our culture has a different answer. And we're always vulnerable to that. The culture sees them as disposable. Ship them off to somebody. Get someone else to take care of them. They hinder your life. They hinder true living. They rob you of, of anything you might want to do. I mean, we have a culture that's so backwards. You got a, you got a couple kids in the back seat. You're killing the planet. Oh, my goodness gracious. But if you have like 37 dogs and 62 cats, you're a hero. Right? You're a hero. Three kids, you're nuts killing trees or something, right? And it's that backwards. But he says they are a, re- a reward. They are an inheritance. How many of us get, when, when the, if it ever happens to you, I expect your tithe the next week, but the publisher's clearinghouse comes to your door. Here's your reward. Oh, I don't want it. Send it away. Now you'll be holding that big cardboard check, smiling. Ah, I'll be at your house 30 minutes later. So we're building the building. You know that, right? Love Jesus. Right? <laughs> but how many of you are going to refuse that reward? How many, Uncle Al, you know, Uncle Al passed away and he left you this. I don't want it. Don't want any more inheritance. I'm sick of inheritances. Honey, tell your family to stop sending inheritances our way. Sick of them. Right? How many of us? No. And that's the idea. It's, no, they're good. Children are good, they're gifts. They're not a distraction of life. They're what God has called you to right now. They're a blessing of life. And he says in verse four, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. This is where all the men were sleeping, but no. Did he say, there's there weapons in this sermon? I hear weapons. Yes, arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. All right, how valuable in a battle when you got your bow and this, this joker's running at you with a battle ax crying, ah! And you got your bow and you reach back. What if you only find your ham sandwich? Not a good thing. But you got a couple arrows back there. Right through the eye. Cool, right? Now how beautiful is that? That's great. But that's the picture. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. It's valuable. It's so valuable. He says, blesses the man who fills his quiver. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. And that culture, actually the word for, for children is actually the Hebrew word for boy. It's not that these girls aren't valuable, but a boy in that culture was so valuable. Why? Because he's the future. There's no nursing homes. There's no retirement in those, those days. So who's gonna take care of you? That boy. You got a couple boys. Man, that's big. They're valuable. They protect. They're arrows. And that's where he's going. Right? He, he is not saying this. Don't, don't miss the point of the text. He is not saying the more kids you have, the more spiritual you are. That is silly. That is silly. Why? Because the Lord is the one who opens the womb. 
Abraham was a man of faith. He only has one kid at first. Right? So that, is, that is a silly application. Oh, you got to have as many kids as you can to make yourself more spiritual. That's just dumb. I'm sorry. It's, it's not with the text. The text is the point, is, is the value of kids, that scripture and God values kids. And so the church, what do we do? We value kids. This is why the Sunday schools are not just a throwaway. This is why we constantly recruiting and say, hey, you want a valuable ministry in this church? Go grab some kids for an hour. That's a valuable ministry. You want a valuable ministry? Go read with some kids on Tuesday afternoon, these neighborhood kids, and, and go teach them the Bible on Thursday evenings and, and make some food for them. That is a valuable piece of what we do. It's a reminder that when you hear that little kid, like last night in Saturday night service, crying, and everyone's like, get that kid out of here. Don't take him to church. We say, no, no, that child is part of this church and has value, the blood of Christ value, because God values kids. Right? Remember, I know this is hard, ladies, I know, and dads too. When that little one wakes up in the middle of the night, puking, woo! Been there four times, done that. How valuable is that child that you are serving? How valuable? Remember the disciples? They got annoyed with the kids, right? They're like, get these kids out of here. Jesus needs to teach, He needs to lead. And, who's the, and meanwhile, Jesus is over there rolling around on the, on, the, on the grass with the kids, playing with the kids, loving on the kids, hugging the kids. He says, no, no, don't you send these kids away. The kingdom, this, the kingdom is, belongs to such as these. I'm telling you, there's gonna be a tons of children in heaven. There's gonna be kids in heaven. All those who've been aborted, all those, maybe some of you ladies, your miscarriages, you're gonna see them. The, the kingdom belongs to such as these. Jesus loved the children. He loved the children. And so it's a reminder. Hey, when you feel like this is messy and this is hard and there's no glory here, there's, this, no one's valuing this, there's one who is. God values it. So much so that some of his last words on the cross were to who? His mom. His mom. He says, John, you gotta you got take care of my mama. John, you gotta take care of her. And John says he would. Right? But here, here's, here's how... We answer that question, how can we do this thing called mothering? Uh, he uses this illustration of the arrows, and I think it's huge. If they are gifts, if they are good, then what are we supposed to do with them? From our sermon a couple weeks ago, what do we do with anything God has given us? We steward it. We are stewards of our children. They, they have been given to us by God, and that we are to steward them. And, and here's how I word it. We steward them for his glory. So how do we do this thing? We shoot them back for God's glory. If they are an arrow, they're not a shotgun. They're not a nuclear bomb. They're an arrow, and there's a direction to an arrow. And it's funny, each arrow is a little bit different. Each one of those kids has different abilities and different passions and different personalities. I am amazed how different all four of my kids are. And this one's, this one's great at this, and this one's quirky over here, and this one's sweet over here, and this one's got stints of style and, and all these things. And, and God says, each arrow, you gotta shoot it with a direction, and the direction is God's glory. Here's what that means. Your kids are not there to bring you glory. They're not there to make you look good. I know that's hard in the middle of Walmart. I know that's hard when they're walking across that graduation stage and they're headed off to college, but there's a heart in America. We want our kids to look great. Why? So we look great. That is not the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to make God look great. Right. And if it's the NBA, great. And if it's Publix, great. Wherever it is that God will look great. Right? That's the goal. 
The goal is not good morals, nice tucked in shirt, yes ma'am, yes sir. The goal is worshipers of Christ. That is the goal. That's the arrow. Arrow towards Christ. The goal is not for them to get rich and take care of me in my retirement. The goal is for them to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's the goal. It's God's glory. And remember, what are they doing? They're walking up the hill. They're singing. They're getting ready for worship. And what are they saying? Are they going to get up to the temple and say, I really want to look good up here. I want to be worshiped in this temple. No, they're saying, I want God to be glorified. I'm going up to glorify him. And that's the idea with your children. I want God to be glorified with these kids. And so what we do is we get on our face and we say, Lord, I am a lousy shot. Help me to shoot straight. These are your kids. You've given to them to me, and I got holes. And we all have holes as parents. We got massive holes. That's where point one comes in. There's grace. God, by your grace, fill the holes and help me to shoot this child where you want him to be and help me to shoot this child where you want me to be and help me to encourage that mom to shoot that child where they want to be. Right? And that's where anything, again, you go back to how do you really do this thing called X, you be about God's glory, whether you're playing in the NBA or an engineer, that you be about God's glory. Do you think that God is going to honor that when you're worshiping, saying, I want you to be great at Gulfstream. I want you to be great at SCAD. I want you to be great in my retirement. I want you to be great at Savannah Arts Academy. Do you think God will honor that? He absolutely will. If you're in it for, I want to be great at this, he's, not, he's like, that's vain. You're building that house. But when you're about his glory, mm, there it is. And so shoot to hit the target. And what that means for some of you dads is when you get in the door, put the phone down, boop, close the computer, boop, turn off Fox News, click, and go spend time and have a meal with your kids. Right? Go pray for those kids. That, that means moms, you might need to say, no, I'm not going to show for you anymore. We're going to cut this right here so we can have some time at home together. It might mean that. It might mean you're gonna have to close the Facebook down at 8.30 and go sit on the end of that bed with that teenager and have a good 20-minute conversation and ask, how you doing? Right? Or maybe you're the grandma. Maybe you need to come and take them kids for a couple days so a girl can get away because she's about to pull out her hair. Right? Maybe you're the dad and you need to stop playing golf on Saturday morning so your, your wife can go get a mani-pedi. And I ain't even kidding, all right? Crystal's nails, 35 bucks, there you go. Because your wife needs an out. I, I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you this. You can't show them you loving Christ if you're not with them. And you cannot show them you loving them if you're not with them. The more time with them, the better. Jesus spent three and a half years with his disciples. You got 18, all right? So it's time to start shooting for the target. And look, there's good books out there. Read good books, but start with this one. This is kind of a good one. Start here and work your way out. And don't buy books and read parenting books that tell you A plus B equals C. Buy good books that talk about the heart. Shepherding a Child's Heart, Ted Tripp. Grace-based parenting, Tid Kimmel. Read a great book with my wife a couple years ago. She had me read it. It was actually about a mother-daughter, but it was great encouragement. Dancing with Your Father, Sally Clarkson. Good books that encourage the heart. And ask questions. Young parents, ask questions. You see someone older, go ask them. What'd you do? Because I'm, I'm, all, I'm all wrapped up here. And if someone after church comes up to you, that means you look older, just, just telling you. <laughs> um, it's all right. Because you know what? Older folks, you're not out of the game. And the younger folks need you. Because they're struggling. They're struggling, some of them. 
right? But where does it start? It starts with grace and it ends with glory. That's where it does. How do we do anything? Mothering, fathering, any? It starts with grace and it ends with glory. And that is the point. And what is that? That's worship. That's bless the Lord. And that's where we want to go. That's where we want to be as a church. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. And so we're going to start there. We're going to worship. Because look, anyone not need him? Anyone not need God? Right? How did, how did you get to be a child of God? Because you recognized that you were broken and you had no ability to forgive yourself. You had no ability to get to him. You needed him and you still do every day. Moms need him, dads need him, kids need him. Everyone needs him. And so we start crying out, I need you, Lord. And he casts grace upon those who acknowledge their need for him. So we're gonna do it as a church and we're gonna worship. So let's pray. Why don't you stand with me? Father, we need you and we love you. I thank you for pointing us towards worship, towards grace, and towards mercy. We exalt Christ. He is our Savior. He is our God. He opened our eyes to your truth. I pray he would continue to do so. I pray that he would continue to equip us as a church. Lord, if we have any arrogance in our heart, let us put it aside. If we have any pride that we got it all together, that we, we've done a good job and everyone else can figure it out, Lord, let us cast arrogance aside. Haughty eyes are an abomination. You are opposed to the proud, but give grace to the humble. And so as a church, we cry out in humility. We need you. We need you, O oh Lord. Unless you build the house, we are in vain working. Unless, unless you are watching over the city, we watch in vain. We don't want to eat the bread of anxious toil. We want to rest. So give your beloved sleep and give them rest in you. We rest in the gospel and the finished work of Christ. His resurrection is imminent return. It's in his name we pray.